BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Right along with Laura Reynolds as she talks to the auto designers, creators, and makers about the automobiles we love as we go Driving in Heels. It's Driving in Heels. I'm Laura Reynolds, your host. And on this week's podcast, I talked to General Motors Company about the 2022 Hummer EV. And let me warn you, it's a beast. Then we'll hear from Michelin about the Cross Climate 2 tire. And we'll wrap it all up with a peek into what to expect in 2021 with Ford's ninth annual Further with Ford report. So let's get started with the GMC Hummer EV product manager, Tom Namovich, and the highly anticipated super truck, the 2022 GMC Hummer EV. Well, can we start with the uh, walk around? The GMC Hummer EV is, it's a crew cab pickup and it is a fully capable uh, vehicle too. So um, from its 35 inch tires to its suspension, to its wide stance, to its uh, really hardy, beefy um, design. It's just, uh, um, it's through and through uh, the modern interpretation of what a Hummer EV should, would, or could be. And uh, uh, the design of this vehicle is, is, is really breathtaking when you see it. You, you know it's got the presence of, a, of, a, of an off-road vehicle, and it's also uh, got the presence of a large truck, full-size truck in a, in a capable vehicle. Well, this thing is a beast. I love it. I think it looks great. And I understand you're going through a testing process with it now. So go ahead. Tell us how you're going to beat up on it. Well, uh, the testing, uh, we've done a lot of virtual work so far with this vehicle. And, uh, you know, through the use of uh, analysis, virtual tools and simulations, we've done a lot of the, the work up front allowing us to cut our development time significantly for one of our vehicle programs. And we also have one of our vehicles that's going to a winter testing right now. And it's, uh, um, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the first to, to really undergo as road testing or off-road testing or physical testing. So we've got a lot in store for all of our test vehicles now going forward after we've uh, done so much virtually and analytically. It's just amazing what paces you put vehicles through when they go through testing. I mean, you take them into not only real world conditions, but stuff like the rest of us shouldn't be doing. That's right. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got a crack crew of uh, our, our vehicle dynamics team, our ride and handling uh, team, uh, anywhere from those guys to our durability testing team. And, you know, we've, we really run the, the vehicles through the, you know, through the full gamut of testing. And uh, um, the, the great thing about this, as I was hinting at too, is that you know we've done, we've managed with this Hummer EV program to cut our development time nearly in half because of the stuff we've done up front. Um, that's a technical term there, because of all the uh, um, the, the virtual tools and and all the um, the analytical, as I mentioned, all the uh, simulation uh, tools that we've used for the vehicle. And now that we've got the vehicles to actually do the physical testing, and there's still some required, obviously, and uh, we've got the vehicles to do that now, too. And, and uh, yeah, there's no, we don't wimp out at all when we test these vehicles, and especially one so that will be expected to, um, to do all, all that it's going to do off-road. I mean, this vehicle is, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, I dare say, our most capable off-road vehicle. And then you throw in the fact that it's an electric vehicle on top of that, and uh, then, you know, we, we got to really make sure that we, we uh, iron out any potential problems with it and uh, to validate our, uh, our upfront work too. 
Well, I'm glad you brought up the off-roading because that's the question I've been waiting to ask because this thing, it, it can do anything and go anywhere. Can you tell us about some of the things that it does off-roading? Well, I mentioned the 35 inch uh, tires that are standard on the vehicle and uh, it's got a, a wide track. It's got um, suspension travel that uh, is, is measured in inches and then you throw another four inches on top of it with our extract mode. That's an ability to go up uh, another four inches from the two inches um, that the vehicle can be raised for terrain mode. And so that'll help you overcome uh, a rock or a boulder in front of you uh, when you're off-roading, uh, we've added a four-wheel steering to this truck. So this uh, large full-size pickup, you know, whether you're on or off-roading, the four-wheel steering at low speeds will give you a turn circle that's comparable to a mid-size SUV or, or sedan. And then the unique thing about our four-wheel steering system in, in the Hummer EV is the crab walk feature, which at low speeds also allows you to turn the rear wheels in line with the front wheels, so you can effectively move in a diagonal path. Uh, so if, you've, if you're off-roading and there's a rock wall on one side of you and there's a boulder in front of you that you've got the ability to um, sort of drive diagonally to, to get past that or, or to overcome you know, any obstacle um, you know, diagonally. So it's, it's a great feature that's been added to the vehicle and uh, you know, throw that in all with our adaptive uh, air suspension and our uh, adaptive ride control. And it's, it's a really fantastic, and uh, I don't want to overuse the word capable, but it's, uh, it's hard not to with such a capable vehicle that we have. Well, you know, Tom, I think it almost hurts my heart to see somebody just driving it, you know, on a freeway. I think they've got to find a mountain and, and test this guy out. Well, you know, don't, don't let your heart be hurt too badly because this, this vehicle on the road too you know, we can equip it off-road with the off-road package, with the full underbody armor, or with, you know, the, you know, the UltraVision uh, camera system with uh, even has underbody cameras to view forward and rearward. I mean, it's, it's really set up to be the great off-road vehicle that it is, but it's no slouch on-road either. So we have 22-inch um, all-terrain tire, you know, 22-inch wheels with 35-inch all-terrain tires. And in top trim for edition one, it does zero to 60 in three seconds. So, you know, it's just as comfortable on road too. So that's the great thing about the vehicle. You know, that zero to 60 really surprised me. I had no idea that it would go in three seconds. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still, we're, we're just tickled by it too. And it's, uh, it, it's you know, when you, you're in such a large vehicle and with the, with the ability to go that fast, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real stream to drive too. So, like I was saying, don't, don't be too concerned for the, the people who choose to drive their vehicle on road because it's going to be a blast to do that too. Well, you know, with only a thousand horsepower, I just, you know, don't see it, you know, being very quick, right? Yeah, no, not <laughs> at all. No, it's that, that's, that's the enabler. I mean, with the, the three motor system in, in our Ultium drive uh, system for the vehicle, it's, you know, that thousand horsepower, 11,500 pound feet of torque. You know, it's just going to scream. It's it's uh, it's going to be a blast to drive. I think I'm going to get a ticket on the tollway. You know, uh, <laughs> that's 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 something. You know, we're never going to uh, condone that at all or anything. But uh, it's going to be a fast vehicle, that's for sure. <laughs> now, something that's really cool about this vehicle are the removable transparent panels. Those, I mean, it just gives it a total different look. I think it's cool. Well, yeah, that's that's a great thing. the The open air experience in this vehicle is is great. So the the infinity roof and the transparent sky panels, those are all removable. There's four panels, one over each uh, um, the, the of the front seats, and then uh, two over the rear. So these four removable sky panels are storable also in the frunk. So uh, the the cavernous frunk in the front of the vehicle, you're able to carry the roof panels with you. You don't have to worry about putting them in the bed or in the back seat or 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 leaving them at home so you can carry them with you. And the opening experience is great because with our pillarless, you know, with our uh, frameless doors, rather, um, it's a great open air experience. And uh, there is a center bar in the front that's removable, too. So you get that um, true open air experience in, in the front. And then the rear of the panels are removable, too. So it, um, that that all thrown in with the fact that the, the cab glass in the rear is uh, power up and down as, as well, that 
further makes this uh, Hummer V really exceptional for the open air exhilarating experience. Yeah, it just looks so cool with those panels removed. I love it. I'm, I'm going to go back to the 18 camera views that you have. Are you able to switch back and forth between those? Yeah, it's, it'll be selectable on the center screen. And, you know, you know GM and GMC, we, we've, we have a, a whole host of um, some of you know, these views on our other vehicles, including the GMC Sierra. But the unique thing about the Hummer EV is uh, uh, the addition of the 200 body cameras. I, I, went, I, I went through them quickly earlier, but uh, we, we've added these underbody cameras. One faces the front, one faces the rear. They've each got uh, lens protectors or covers that are scuffable and replaceable. They each have a, an underbody wash. You know, they've got a wash feature for the cameras and they project on the screen too in real time. So there's no simulation or stitched together images that are maybe don't really reflect, reflect real time, but these are a real time view of what's going on underneath the vehicle. And you know, to mention the off-roading again, when you're, when you're off-road and you're going over, you're cresting over a, a top of a, a, a hill or mountain or, or even a, a rock formation, sometimes you can't see past the front of the vehicle. And even the, the real benefit, one of the other real benefits of this underbody camera is too, you can use it to see the horizon in front of you, even if you can't see it because the, the front end of the vehicle is, is blocking uh, your view. So it's really a, a fun and great uh, addition to the, to the Hummer EV. Now, Tom, come on. I know you've driven this. Tell us what it's like. Well, you know, there's, there's very few of us that have driven it. I'll, I'll, I'm leaving our true experts, the dynamics and the uh, off-road test you know, engineers to do. We're letting them handle that part of it right now. Um, I'll get into it soon enough. We've gone through uh, some of the virtual aspects of this uh, too, including the underbody camera. So as much as you're waiting to get in one, I'm waiting to drive one myself. And uh, unfortunately, we're putting these early vehicles through their test cases at first. Uh, and then we'll get a chance to get in, into them when uh, some of the, the final tuning and, and other work's been done. So I'm just a lowly marketing manager in the scheme of things. And, and uh, I, I say it like that, but... Our engineers are definitely the, the ones that are in the driver's seat right now for the program. Well, once you get in one, you got to call me back so that we can talk about what it's like to drive because it sounds well, awesome. That sounds great. And then uh, sure enough, we'll get you in, in one too before we launch uh, next fall, production next fall. Now I understand uh, the Edition 1 trim is already like sold out. Is that yeah, correct? We sold, yeah, that's correct. So uh, we're offering the vehicle in, in three trims and the Edition 1 and the Edition 1, is they're all spoken for. Uh, for people interested, they can still get online and reserve one of the three other configurations and put on the, be put on the wait list for the Edition 1 if, uh, if they desire as well. That is just crazy how fast those went. Were you guys surprised? It's, it's, it's so exciting to, I mean, to, to see the, the interest and the demand for a, a vehicle of this, of this size, stature, capability, and uh, it's, it's really a super truck that, uh, you know, tons of people are, are really interested in want. So it was great to see. It's, it is great to see because um, we're, still, we're still getting so much interest in this vehicle. Well, congratulations, because, I mean, you guys obviously have a huge winner here. So um, can you tell us what the starting MSRP is? Yeah, we're, uh, we're starting at uh, $79,995. Uh, that'll be available a little bit later, and then uh, the addition one is uh, just over 112,000, and so we cover the span between between those prices. So, how many? I know again, the addition one is sold out, but how many does that equate to? Well, yeah, if, if I knew the number, uh, I probably still couldn't share it with you, but I, I don't have the number in front of me, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, like, but we did sell them out though, and, and uh, you know, we do have the waiting list for the other for for the vehicle too, but I don't, I don't have a number to share with you. Sorry. That is no problem. I'll just, you know, hit you up later for it. <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> well, Tom, is there anything that you're like, Laura, you haven't asked me the most important question yet. Is there any questions that I haven't asked? Well, you know, uh, you, you've asked a lot of great questions and we, we got a vehicle, like I said, it's, it's, it's a great off-road on-road vehicle. Oh, I, I will mention though, too, that, uh, we will have uh, Super Cruise uh, GM's um, driver assist technology standard on every Hummer EV as well. So the times on road, uh, uh, we do include our uh, uh, a driver assist functionality with Super Cruise. So that's that's another high point for me. The fact that you know we've got this 
technological tour de force and off, you know, that's really capped by the fact that we offer a super cruise too for the vehicle or that we have a standard on the vehicle rather. And uh, so that's one other key point. And uh, I, I can't not mention also our, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's still people that may be hesitant to get into an electric vehicle. And one of our highlights that we're proud to talk about the Hummer EV is the DC fast charge capability for the vehicle. So our edition one, uh, it'll offer 800 volt charging at up to 350 kilowatts. And you can put a hundred miles into the tank or into the batteries, if you will, for, you know, in uh, 10 minutes. So a hundred mile range added in 10 minutes at uh, um, available DC fast chargers. So that's a, another feature I want to share and, and make known for the vehicle too. It's, it's, it's so, those are two things that um, are great for the vehicle that I wanted to share too. Well, and I, th I think anyone who has ever worried about driving an EV, you've just blown it out of the water. There is no reason to be worried about driving an electric vehicle. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I don't, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but the one thing I'm always fascinated by is the multi-pro tailgate. Ever since I first saw it and how it operates, man, you got to have it. Well, yeah, so that's standard on the vehicle as well. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, for anyone who's owned and operated a truck and to not have some of, you know, something as great to add as uh, the multi-pro tailgate, it definitely aids in everything from getting into the vehicle, using it to help load and you know, transport, you know, certain things. And even with as equipped with accessories, you can even add speakers to it. So it even, even adds to the tailgating fund potential for the vehicle. Well, this has just been awesome learning more about this. I mean, the Hummer is an iconic vehicle. I really do think so because it, you see um, people enjoying it, you know, both off-road and it has a presence on just the regular freeway. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's a beast. <laughs> Well, That's Tom, a compliment. We'll take it. Thanks yeah, <laughs> well, it is. It looks awesome. And, and I'm so, um, like I say, congratulations, you guys, because this is just great how the response has been for this vehicle. Yeah, I agree very much. So it's, uh, we're, we're really excited. Uh, you know, we, we launch um, next year and uh, vehicles will be available in the fall of 2021. And uh, can't wait for that date to, to come up. So thank you uh, for having me on. And, and thanks for letting me talk about this vehicle that not only I love and, you know, I'm just proud to be part of this great team that, that's assembled for the vehicle too. So uh, really appreciate it, Laura. Well, thank you so much everyone for being here today. I really appreciate your time and I, I can't wait to share this with our listeners. Thank you again to Tom Namovich for joining us. When we return, we'll hear more about Michelin's biggest technological advancement in 20 years, the Cross Climate 2 tire. We'll talk to Michelin North America Public Relations Manager Phil Watson next on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. This is Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. Each week, Laura talks with auto manufacturers to keep you in the know about the latest and greatest in the cars, trucks, and SUVs you love to drive. Here's more Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. I'm Laura Reynolds, and you're listening to Driving in Heels. And in this segment, I'm talking to Michelin North America Public Relations Manager Phil Watson about the Cross Climate 2 tire and its one-of-a-kind V-formation tread pattern. I got to start off by saying congratulations on the Cross Climate 2. I mean, this thing is a beast. Yeah, it is Michelin's biggest consumer tire innovation in 20 years. 
And think about it. We've been in business for a long time. 20 years is a long time. It is just a very big accomplishment for Michelin. It's very exciting. And it's truly going to uh, change sort of the all-season, all-weather tire category. It definitely is because um, in that category, I mean, you guys have been able to address everything with this Mm -hmm. tire without sacrificing anything. Yeah, exactly. So most people in, in the U.S., or in North America for that matter, if you buy a new car, it probably comes with all season tires. Now all seasons basically do everything decently well and you can use them in most places. And, and most of the time for most cars, that's the kind of tire that comes on them. And so all season tires can do things like uh, some of the, some of the uh, attributes, stopping fast, uh, stopping well in the rain, grip, longevity, noise, things like that. All season tires do most of these things pretty well, but have to make sacrifices in other areas. They're not perfect. So what the Cross Climate 2 has done that is so unique is it does all of these things well. It does not have to make sacrifices. So when we talk about the things that are really important to tire consumers, like stopping in the rain, snow performance, handling in wet, handling in the dry, and lasting for a long time, the tire is able to do all those things. And that's what makes it such a unique uh, new offering. Yeah, but it's not only doing those things, it's exceeding in those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's great. You know, I mean, we're talking about like the dry grip. You, you get an extra 16 feet that it's going to stop ahead of it. Yep. And that is uh, very important. Obviously, stopping in the wet is very important. And snow performance for many people. Now, I'm, I'm down in the south, so not as important here, but we still do get snow. And that's the great thing about the cross climate, too, is it, it lasts, it does a good job no matter where you are. We like to talk about someone could live in California. You could live in, let's say, Sacramento or somewhere coastal in California where it's mostly sunny and, and, and warm. And this tire is going to perform for you. It's going to perform when it rains. But you might drive up to the ski resorts in the same day and you might be going through snow. And this tire is going to do it all for you, no matter where you go, no matter what the weather brings. Now, I grew up in the Midwest and I remember um, having to put on snow tires. And then if it got really bad, you had to put chains on the on the tires yeah. too. I also grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Nebraska. And uh, I, I remember we lived at the top of a big cul-de-sac that was on a big hill. And uh, when it snowed, when it got icy, you'd, you'd have to park at the bottom and the whole cul-de-sac would park their cars across the bottom of the hill. And you'd have to trudge all the way up the hill because the cars just couldn't get up there. Yeah, so I think this tire is going to take a lot of that extra work out of it for us. Hopefully so, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the two things that, that, that have enabled this to happen, uh, number one is the tread compound. We've got years and years of R&D and learning from, from our tire manufacturing and R&D on, on tread compound. So the tread compound, which is a very proprietary thing, uh, has absolutely enables a lot of the things that we just talked about. Second to that is the tread design. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it, but this tire looks like no other tire you're going to see on the market. It has a directional V formation uh, pattern. Have you been? Have, have you had a chance to look? At it? Yeah, and actually, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask you: was that how does that V formation, you know, pattern make a difference for this tire? Absolutely. So the V formation is allowing it to channel water, but also grip uh, through snow. So there, there's so much science and technology that's going into this pattern. It wasn't simply done to look cool, although I do think it does look <laughs> cool. Uh, it actually uh, has everything to do with the performance. So that V formation coupled with the compound is what really makes this tire uh, quite unique. And you know what? What we like to we like to get past the all the technical stuff and, and really just tell the consumer why why what does it do for you? Why would you want this? And what it does for you, it it lets you know that you're going to get where you need to go, no matter what the weather throws at you. Uh, we call this an all weather tire because it is meant for all weather. So that's really what. It, if you had to just boil it down to one thing, is this tire is going to do what you needed to do, no matter what Mother Nature throws at you and do it longer. I cannot believe that you've increased how long this tire lasts, an additional 15,000 miles. Yep, that's a big deal. That's uh, for most drivers, that's an additional one year of use. For a lot of drivers, more than one year. So you think about how long tires typically last. You buy new tires every couple of years, hopefully. Uh, an additional year of use, that's, that's quite a lot of extra use. 
Exactly. I was going to say, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but buying tires is not fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know what? One tip I would give your listeners, Laura, uh, rotate your tires regularly. The, the <clears throat> couple things that you can do to prolong the life of your tires. First, rotate them regularly. Every time I get my oil changed, I have my tires rotated. <clears throat> By rotating them, you're going to have more even wear. You're not going to have certain spots that wear, wear worse than other spots. The other thing you can do is regularly check your tread depth and your inflation. Now, checking your inflation is very important because underinflated tires, one, they can be dangerous, but two, they're going to wear worse than tires that are properly inflated. And how do you, how do you tell us to trek, uh, check the tread on, on the tires? Well, we call it the penny test. Okay. So get a penny and head down, put Abraham Lincoln upside down. Put him down into the tire, into the deepest part of your tread, which is probably going to be in the middle of the tire. And if you can see the top of Abraham Lincoln's head, your tread is too low. And it's time to start looking for new tires. Ooh, I like that. I don't have to go to yep. the garage or anything, and it's no, easy. We call it the penny test. It's a very <laughs> cheap way. There's no, uh, there's no cheaper way to check your tires than with the penny test. There you go. I like that a lot. Now, now those how, are two things. That, yeah, <laughs> those two things most people don't think about, but uh, you, you can prolong the life of your tires and make them last longer and be safer just by regularly having them uh, rotated and checking checking your inflation. Well, that's so much easier for the rest of us too, and uh, doing it that way. Now, I understand that you were able to reduce the noise um, mm -hmm. when with these tires as well. How did you do that? So we, uh, we have what we call the piano noise reduction tuning. So this all has to do with the design of the tread blocks and the angles. I mentioned earlier that unique tread pattern. Well, I, I said it does many things that beyond just look cool. One of them is reduce the noise. Our, our engineers were actually able to work those tread pattern blocks in a way that the noise is less. So when you're in the car, you can hear the radio, you can hear your conversation, you're not hearing the rubber on the road. And different types of tires and have different types of noise, but this is one that we've done a pretty good job uh, and, and compared to uh, you know, other competitor products as good, if not better, uh, when it comes to, to noise on the road. No, I, I think that grip is so cool. And I love the V formation because I, you immediately know that it's the Cross Climate 2 tire. Mm -hmm. Just Absolutely. by looking it's very at it. unique. It's, it's definitely a, you know, a, a one of a kind design thing. As, as soon as I see one on the road, I, so here's a, a funny thing. When, when you work for a tire company, you stop and you look at everyone's tires when you're at a red light, you want to see what kind of tires they have in the car. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just can't help it. So I stop at a red light. The second I see a, a set of cross climate too, I know it. I don't even have to look twice. I don't have to look at the sidewall. It's such a cool looking uh, tread pattern, but I, I just love the fact that it's also very functional. Well, I think we may have sold a few of them today, just with this uh, interview. Yeah, it's it's our newest passenger, uh, you know, all season passenger tire. It just has only been available for a couple of months now, so brand new, very big deal for us in 2020, and we're we're looking forward to continuing to see the consumer reviews come across. You can always go read tire reviews on places like TireRack.com. You'll see we have a you know a true consumer reviews of people who have tried the tire, and I'm looking forward to continuing to to see those reviews come across. So how many sizes does it come in? So right now, so there are two phases. So the first phase launched earlier this year and it was uh, right now, it, in total will be available in 56 sizes. So about half of those came out in phase one or in the year and uh, in February, 2020, so just uh, 2021, just uh, about two months away, we'll be releasing an additional 25 sizes that will cover uh, cover quite a, quite a lot of the market. In fact, it'll, it'll cover 76% of all uh, the best-selling passenger cars and crossovers in the, in the North American marketplace today. Well, I really think this tire is going to be one of them that once somebody sees it, they're, go they're going to want it on their own vehicle just because it's so unique. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the other thing that's interesting about how we've developed this tire, Laura, uh, as you know, Michelin has been around for a long time, well over 100 years, and we have been very heavily involved in motorsports for most of that time. And a lot of people don't know this, but in addition to traditional R&D, we actually use motorsports as uh, R&D and the technology learnings that we get from motorsports, which 
by the way, push tires to their absolute limit, as you can imagine. What we learn from those applications goes into tires like the Cross Climate too. So whenever you think about the you know, races like the, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, those sorts of things, IMSA racing, which we're heavily involved with, we are learning from those. We have tire engineers there that are learning. They're learning about compound. They're learning about the, you know, the, how far you can push these tires. And those are absolutely brought back to uh, the tires that you'll buy for your everyday driver car. And that is too cool. Have, have you gotten to test any of the tires like that? I have, yeah. So Michelin has a, uh, a proving grounds in South Carolina, and I've been there many times. We do all kinds of cool stuff there, including having uh, people test our tires versus competitor tires. You can do all sorts of testing, you know, uh, testing on wet, stopping tests on wet, all kinds of stuff. In fact, we should we should get you out there sometime. We have a, a lot of media <laughs> folks come out sometimes to uh, test the tires and, and see how they perform in a, in a closed track scenario. Oh, so I get to do donuts, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll I'll just, you get to do things there that you'd never do on the the open roads for for safety's sake. (laughs) That sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, I appreciate that. And you may regret that. (laughs) Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll be able to get to there soon. Well, you know, I read uh, AAA did a survey and it looks like 67% of Americans are going to be traveling over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And, um, 80% 80% of that 67% are driving. People are just not taking planes anymore. Yep. So what tire safety tips would you have for them as they get ready to make their trips? Yeah, so this is always a relevant topic uh, this time of year, even, even before COVID. This is still something that, that we went out of our way every year around the holiday season to try to reach people about. So a couple tips that I would advise people to do. One, just take a look at your tires. Tires are something that people a lot of times don't think about until there's an issue. Well, you can stop those issues by doing some things like, like I mentioned earlier, take a look at them, check your tread depth, check your inflation. And here's another tip. If you're curious of what your inflation should be, we recommend look in the door jam. So open up the, the driver's side door of your car. There's a sticker in that door jam that has some information. It should have a, a little chart that's going to tell you what the recommended inflation is for those for for your front and rear tires. Uh, I always go by that. I think that's your best bet. So check that inflation, get a little inflation reader. If you don't have one, you can get one at any auto parts store or, or, you know, just about any store for, you know, a couple dollars and check and make sure before you hit the road uh, that that your inflation is within those those bounds. Because again, underinflated tires can be quite dangerous. They can wear faster and they can also heat up more and and create a, you know, possibility for, for issues. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. You know, I had a problem once where I overinflated my tires. <laughs> I you actually went the opposite. You don't, yeah, don't want to be there either. That's also not good because when you overinflate the tire, the contact patch is very small. So you think about your tires, that the, the, they're the only part of your vehicle that touches the road. And it's a very small contact patch. Think about each tire. The actual part that's touching the, the ground is not much. It's, it's a very small square. So if you overinflate your tires, you have a much smaller contact patch that's hitting the road and over and over that's going to wear that one little part down rather than equally distributing it oh so it's not my lead foot problem then probably not probably not well, it could be that too right then follow this well phil i've enjoyed talking to you is there anything you're like oh laura why haven't you asked me this yet about the cross climate too no i think we really covered the, the cross climate too pretty well i just want to you know just hit on some of those things that the, the big things that, that we've been able to do here that, like I said, most Aussies and tires have to make a sacrifice in some area, whether it's wet performance or lasting a little bit longer or gripping and dry or in snow or noise. Uh, our you know, engineers have been able to develop a tire through years and years of research that, that does all of these things extremely well and doesn't have to make sacrifices. So we're very excited that uh, 2020 was a, a big year for us as far as products go uh, with, with putting this tire out. Thanks to Phil Watson for being on Driving in Heels. Up next, what issues can we expect to tackle in 2021? Sustainability setbacks, changing family structures, personal transportation renaissance, and the future of work-life balance. The results are in from Ford's ninth annual trend report. I'll talk to Ford futurist Cheryl Conley next on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Driving in Heels. There'll be more next week when Laura Reynolds talks directly to the manufacturers about the cars you love and the cars you want to know more about on Driving in Heels. I'm Laura Reynolds and you're listening to Driving in Heels. Ford's Further with Ford report examines adaptation and how consumers, communities, and businesses are rewriting the rules for living, working, buying, and traveling. I talked to Ford futurist Cheryl Conley about the study results. Well, for those who don't know, explain to us what the Further with Ford report is. So it's a report that Ford has put out for nine years in a row. And what it does is it takes some of the work that my team and I, um, in terms of the trends and futuring area, the research that we do, you know, as, as your car enthusiast audience will know that we take three to five years to try to take an idea and get it out into the marketplace. So that means that the stuff that we're working on today might not see the light of day for quite some time. And we want to make sure that what we're building now will be relevant into the future. So we have to do some sort of future exercises. And we do that in part by looking at social, technological, economic, and environmental trends, because those are the five forces that will ultimately shape consumer values, attitudes, and behaviors. And for a long time, I've had this role for uh, 17 years almost, and we never talked about it publicly. And then just about a decade ago, uh, for a variety of different ways, we changed and we started to publish our reports. And we found that it got us the opportunity to have dialogues with people like you. And the more we discussed the work, the richer our insights became. That is just awesome. The things that you guys talk about 2020 must have just thrown, you know, thrown you over your head with uh, changes. (laughs) Well, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one. And I I wouldn't say that anybody could have predicted COVID, but we could have prepared for it. You know, the World Health Organization has been sounding the alarm bell for two decades, starting with SARS, avian flu, swine flu, Ebola, the Zika virus. Um, But 2020, 20 wasn't just about a global pandemic. You had polarized politics, um, the social justice movement, wildfires that started in January and did not seem to extinguish until the end of the year. They literally worked their way around the globe. And so it's not surprising that when we talked to people in 14 different countries, 67% of them told us just following the daily news was extremely stressful. And that was a 17 percentage point increase from when we last surveyed that when we last surveyed that question um, in 2017. That is just amazing. So what differences are you seeing this year in the surveys? Well, you know, it's interesting because we had asked, we had asked people in 2018 if they were overwhelmed by the changes they saw taking place in the world. And it was sobering that two-thirds, specifically 67% of the people we spoke to, said yes, they were indeed overwhelmed. And so we decided, wouldn't it be interesting to ask that question again to a new set of um, respondents, but the number only increased two percentage points. No, I'm not saying 69% is not an alarmingly high number, but considering all of the disruption that 2020 brought with it, I was surprised that it was only a two percentage point increase. And I think I have, I think I have a reason as to why that is. Um, I think that people have been more resilient, surprisingly adaptive. I mean, it has not gone without pain, suffering and loss. You know, I don't want to minimize that by any means. But for many people, they said adapting was a little easier than they imagined, particularly if you find yourself in the baby boomer generation. So baby boomers around the world told us that um, 58% said it was easier to adapt than they had imagined. 
But the shocker for me was that, you know, the youngest generation, the generation that we go is the most resilient, the most nimble, the most adaptive, they struggled the most at 63% saying it was harder than they imagined. Wow, that that is interesting because, uh, I mean, first of all, when you were talking about just a 2% increase, I was like, that's it? I, w- yeah. I would have thought there would have been a lot more. And then mm-hmm. you're exactly right. I would have thought uh, the younger generation would be able to cope better. Well, and here's, here's something that we discovered before COVID. In 2019, we started to track a trend that we call all alone. And it really just put a, a surprising spotlight on the epidemic of loneliness. 62% of Generation Z, so that's 18 to 24 years of age, told us they were lonely on a regular basis, at least once a week. Now, we again repeated that number, and year over year, there was an increase, um, but not a dramatic increase. Again, only 2%, but that means that 64% were lonely on a, a weekly basis. The biggest increase came in the baby boomer generation that went up seven percentage points. But let me step back and say that uh, Generation Z is almost twice as likely to report loneliness than a baby boomer. Hmm. I mean, what, do you think they're just more in touch with their feelings or why would that be? Well, I think the disruption to them, you know, in their formative years, right? The late teens, the early twenties, education has been turned upside down. Many of them are, are experienced a year of lost learning. I have a daughter who's college age and she's trying to live on campus, but going to school remotely. It's not at all the experience that she had prepped for. And I think that's been probably a really difficult thing. And interestingly, you know, the internet, everybody turned to their social media, surfing the web as a tool to kind of distract us from our troubles. But when we asked across the generations, if they spend too much time on the internet, Generation Z and gener- and the millennials, so people 40 and under, uh, three out of four said yes, they spend too much time on the internet. And so we, we saw something last year that might explain some of it. And it wasn't our study, it came from the, immediate, the American uh, Pediatrics, oh, excuse me, American Journal of Preventative Medicine. And what they had done was a research that looked at Americans aged 19 to 32, and they discovered those who spent more than two hours a day on social media are twice as likely to report feeling lonely as those who kept their use to 30 minutes or less. Oh, wow. That, that is amazing because you think of it, obviously, social media, you're connecting with people, but yet you're not. You're, you're feeling what, like you're missing out? And so, you know, probably missing out, I guess we'd have to ask a generation Z or, but <laughs> I, as a mom, as a mom to two generation Zers, I think some of it is, is that, you know, people still tend to post their best life, their best self, you know, people forget, young people forget that there were probably 200 photographs taken before these influencers picked just the right one and maybe did a little face tuning or Photoshop to make it just look just so, um, And I don't know that that's necessarily always a bad thing, but it does kind of live a light. It does lead one to think like, well, why is my life not so extraordinary? Why is my life not so polished and perfect? Uh, So maybe we're setting up difficult expectations for young people. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the other topics that you're covering in the report? So we are wondering how are people dealing with this? You know, in general, how are people dealing with the chaos that was 2020. And we know more and more people are looking for ways to escape. And interestingly, you know, so many people are working from home and maybe not using their vehicle for a means to commute to and from work, but they are still involved with work. In fact, men were three times as likely in the U.S. as women to say they use their vehicle as a place to work. So 7% of women say they use it as a place to work. 21% say it's a place to work. But worldwide, one in five tell us that their vehicle is a place for privacy. One in four tell us they use their vehicle to relax. One in three say they use their vehicle to be alone or decompress. And then my favorite stat of the entire study was that 7% of Americans 
Americans say they use their vehicle as a place to hide. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And so I think that's interesting. I think that's really interesting. There were certainly patterns in recent years that would suggest that, you know, there are new ownership shifts in terms of paradigms, right? There are shared models, ride hailing, subscription models. We're taking root in an interesting way, but the pandemic has put a pause on a lot of that. In fact, over 50% of people worldwide told us that they were less likely to ride a train, take a subway, get on a bus, or travel by plane because of the pandemic. And I think that's going to stay with us for a little bit of time. Indeed, three out of four people said they couldn't even imagine life without having their own vehicle. Ooh, now that I can believe, uh, especially um, I'm based here in Houston and it is so sprawling that, you know, there isn't the mass transportation that you can take from one end of the city to the other. So you have to have your vehicle. Yeah. And, and even if you're not driving your vehicle, if you're like me, a married mother of two, sometimes you need that vehicle as an extension of your house. Because if the, if the dog's barking and the kids are trying to study for a test or talk to their teachers and my husband's on a conference call, something's got to give. Mostly it's him. <laughs> he's <the> one, <laughs> usually he's the one who takes his calls outside. But I do think a lot of people are just saying, because we're, we're asked to quarantine at home, we're asked to keep our social bubble tight, um, social distancing, all that stuff. And so the automobile has become a pod, an extension of our sanctuary, a place that we know is safe and secure. You know, I totally agree. While you were saying that, I was just imagining my next door neighbor. He does the exact same thing. He gets into his F-150. He gets a, he makes phone calls. Every once in a while, he has to take one of the kids with him <laughs> to make the phone calls. And when the kid starts honking the horn too much, because the kid's only two, <laughs> he'll, he'll drive around the neighborhood till he finishes his calls. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's been part of the change, you know, working remotely, people have found that they have let down their guard. They're their more authentic self when they come to work. In fact, um, we saw some improvement in the numbers of people that said companies, we asked a question in 2018, 77% uh, of people said companies were not doing enough to accommodate the needs of working parents. For 2020, we saw an improvement of seven percentage points, which means 70% say that that companies weren't doing enough to accommodate. It's still a high number, but in such a short order to see that sort of improvement, I think that brands, companies, institutions, they're all working together to try to get through this time. And indeed, 50% of the people we surveyed around the world said the pandemic has made their community kinder. Mm, you know, that I do believe because you check in on your neighbors more, you know, you check in on your family more. So I, I can totally see that. Yeah. So I hope if, if you or your listeners want to check out more, it's the first year that we post all of our reports online, but this is the first year that's become an interactive website, which means that you can kind of click your way through and dive, dive deeper into areas. So you want to know like, how do men and women, dip, women differ on this question? You know, where does the U.S. stand relative to 13 other countries in terms of our survey respondents? And then as we've discussed at length, there's a lot of um, insights in terms of the age cohorts across the pandemic response. Well, that's awesome. So where can we find it? Is it on Ford.com? It's at, well, you can go to FordTrends.com and that'll get you directly to it. I, I think it's going to open a lot of eyes. That's for sure. And I think, um, you know, some of the stats you were saying are going to be one way or another where you think, oh, this is going to be terrible. And then just like you were saying earlier, some things are not as bad as you would predict. Yeah, I hope that, I hope if anyone takes anything away from it is that it's been hard. It's no doubt COVID has the 2020 COVID and all the other things have not been without its challenges. But for the most part, people have been surprisingly resilient. And I think that's something to be proud of. Well, I, I love it. Um, I know you have these interviews back to back. Is there anything, Cheryl, that I haven't asked you that you're like, oh my gosh, why isn't Laura saying this? Well, you know what? I, because of your area of interest and your audience, you guys might really be interested in what's happening in the sustainability space because we're really working all out on EVs and what's happening in that regard. Um, so we have the Mustang Mach-E that came out last year. We have the hybrid F-150 that's coming out this year. 
we are in continue to invest to expand our portfolio across the board with electric vehicles. And the reason that's so significant is that sustainability efforts have kind of taken a back seat in the context of COVID. I mean, in the early days of COVID, you might remember people were like, oh, air quality has improved. Nobody's driving. Everybody's staying home. But at the same time, the world became increasingly dependent on plastics and disposable uh, goods. And so we have to continue on all fronts. And Ford is, you know, not let their foot off the gas pedal and all of the many efforts they're taking to try to address sustainability concerns. That is so interesting. I, I would have never thought about that because my first thought would have been, oh, well, the CO2 emissions have got to be way down. But, you know, the fact that you pointed out, we're getting takeout from restaurants now, you know. Yeah, grocery stores are saying, please do not bring in your, your reusable bags. You know, mm-hmm. we have to do all we can to keep a sterile and you know, the hygiene um, that this situation calls for. But it's been so great talking to you, Laura. Thank you again to Cheryl Connolly for being on Driving in Heels. Every week, I talk directly to the manufacturers to get you the latest information about vehicles you're interested in. No opinions, just straight facts from the automakers themselves. I'm your host, Laura Reynolds, and that wraps up this week's Driving in Heels. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Driving in Heels. There'll be more next week when Laura Reynolds talks directly to the manufacturers about the cars you love and the cars you want to know more about on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.